A dummy copy. Dummy So we're just going to do a bit of a grab bag episode this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of random things we've been reading or haven't been reading. Full disclosure, I've been starting a lot of things, <laughs> but not finishing them, which sucks. This whole year I've been, it's been so good. I felt so good. I've just been cruising through, reading a lot of books, not not getting into that headspace of like starting and setting down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. abandoning. But since Fuckboy, I've been abandoning a lot of things. Are we laying that at the feet of Sean Thor, Thor Conroe? Conroe. <laughs> I think name I still cannot say. I think so. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna blame. That's why. That's boys. how we broke the novel. Yeah, we broke the novel by <laughs> making it impossible for people to finish anything after that. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I mean, that book was so snappy and so like. Yeah. You're just like kind of cruising through it, yeah. and it is like reading a notes file on yeah, your phone, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. Maybe that's part of it. You've had a little bit more luck. I've had good the luck. The last couple yeah. weeks, though. So. Uh, so, fortunately for our listeners, none of these things are coming out until a month after you're listening. Actually, <laughs> the first one is coming out not that far after. But, yeah, I read, like, three really great arcs from FSG in a row, which Ooh, was really fun. I love FSG. They do some really good stuff. They do some really good stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, and it's, like, I think it's, like, kind of stodgy in old publishing world, which mm-hmm. is, like has always been sort of interesting for me to think about. But yeah. the the first thing I want to talk about it comes out on October 11th of this year. And I'm stoked. I'm making my personal mission to sell 500 billion copies Whoa. of Jonathan Abernathy, You Are Kind. Um, and it's a great book, but a lot of it is because uh, Molly McGee, the author, is very, very cool. Um, I first encountered her because she wrote kind of a viral essay in the Paris Review about... I don't know if our listeners are aware, but there's this absolutely, like, vampiric, draconian, middle-age mechanism by which poor people have been inheriting their dead relatives' debts. Oh, yeah. 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 So her mom died in a way that I think, I'm pretty sure she described as gruesome. Mm. And she was reading Gogol's Dead Souls at the time Whoa. and just wrote this this essay about inheriting her mom's debt. Um and it was just really, like, it was really bracing and really amazing. So she was on my radar because of that. Mm-hmm. And then something I did not know is that she recently, she was an editor at Tor, which is um, a kind of the sort of, like, I don't know, the it's like a, cutting edge science yeah, fiction press like right now. It's pretty buzzy. Yeah, yeah. Like, in the last five years or so, I feel yeah. like it has just, like, exploded. They're doing a lot of really interesting shit. Yeah. No, totally. Um but she wrote a really public re- letter of resignation um, mm. because she said, I'm overworked, I'm underpaid, I love everybody I work for. She specifically describes her um, managing editor as a genius, but after she acquired Atlas Six, mm. if anybody's heard of a little mm. book by that name, which mm-hmm. was a j- an absolute juggernaut, yeah. um, they told her that she was not experienced enough to be promoted. Ugh. Uh, Uh, (laughs) yeah it's so dumb and so she wrote this I mean it was like really measured and really like um, this letter is amazing and and one one big thing she said you know overworked and underpaid um, like you are you are creating a talent suck Mm -hmm. Um, at the very end of it she says I wonder who will be left when all of the old the old managing editors are gone Um, but the other thing she charted she spent a fair amount of time on that is that 
the people in authority over her do not know how to use their own databases. Yeah. And so that is like unpaid labor that falls on these people already doing a lot of unpaid work. But it sounds like it sounds like everything's like cool with her in the publishing world. Like I yeah. think I forget um, like I don't totally know how this works. Like I know that houses within publishers, so Macmillan distributes both Tor and FSG. I know that they do compete for titles, but mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like she's been blacklisted at anything because this is going to be a lead title for FSG. But Jonathan Abernathy, You Are Kind is amazing. Uh, so it's about Jonathan Abernathy, who's 23 or 24, kind mm-hmm. of dopey, kind of affable, uh, six figures in debt for a degree he did not even earn mm. living like has down to his last 60 bucks living in one room in uh, somebody's basement where if he sits mm-hmm. on his bed it touches the, his uh, like it like touches the wall yeah. so absolutely abject um, but he also still kind of believes in the system like when he goes in to interview the jo- interview for the job that will become the rest of the book he gives himself this little pep talk that says uh, or they said he tells himself lives Jonathan Abernathy you are kind you are competent. You are well-respected and valued by your community. People, including your family, love you. Um, so basically, as a kind of, uh, if he signs up for this job, which has some obscure title that I am forgetting now, but it's dragony and cool, uh, it will stop interest accumulating on his debt. But it turns out that this job is while he's asleep, he gets special equipment to go into other people's dreams and scrub them of anything that will be distressing. And he only does this for like middle class white collar office workers in America. Um, And just it's so and of course, things devolve from there. it's not a very ethical industry, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> they, they employ yeah. a lot of uh, employ a lot of conflicts, convicts, and a lot of um, desperate people like him. And it's so unflinching about just sort of the abject misery of like s- suburban poverty and like how there's just no way out. Yeah. Um, and it it's 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 a pretty hopeless book, actually. <laughs> like it just comes like things. I mean, at the spoiler alert. Actually, it's not a spoiler because it says it on the first page. At the end of the book, Jonathan Abernathy dies. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it, it does have, you know, smart things to say about what we do in, like, the kind of modern debt penury and what, like, what that means for our souls. Um, and I was also just really impressed because it's, it's, um, it's, like, not moralizing, and it's really funny and really humanizing, and also just feels like it's speaking to a reality that we are hurtling towards. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I was just, I was just, I was really impressed. It's got a great cover. It's really funny. It's really readable. Nice. I really liked it. Nice. It's so interesting that FSG thing, the tour thing, because I don't know if you've heard this, not to do a total detour. Apparently we're just, this is going to be this kind of show, but Penguin Random House has just gotten through, like going through all of like a ton of senior editors, a ton of, um, senior sales reps uh, and offering them sort of severance packages to leave now. But I guess it's like a bunch of like high profile Uh, editors who have acquired really like, like important books. Um, And it's interesting because uh, I did, I talked to my rep right after it happened to him and Mm -hmm. he was just like, well, yeah, I was thinking about retiring anyway and mm-hmm, you know, for this mm-hmm. package. And um, but as it turns out, it's it, it feels like not. I was just reading about it in Publishers Weekly, maybe mm-hmm. or something. Uh, so it's interesting. Apparently, I feel like that shit's just going around everywhere right now. Yeah. Like this this crazy like 
oh, the people we pay money to survive, we're going to get rid of them, you know, yeah. or like, like all of the striking that's happening across so many different, the writer strike in yeah. LA, you know, what was the CEO of Disney had something about being disturbed that people, you know, were striking for, you know, what, like being disturbed by uh, the writer's <laughs> demands. And it's like the average writer who is working in Hollywood earns $69,000 and change a year. <laughs> yeah. And he earns something like there was some breakdown of numbers and he's earning like 75 grand a day, you know, and he's just he's disturbed by the fact that they want more. It's like, fuck off. I know. I mean, and it's even like in the thing I go to when I get past the level of just like, how is anybody going to live? Which is something that I feel every day as a downwardly downwardly mobile young millennial. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's just like the talent suck. Yeah. Like, who... If you're not paying to keep good people, who are you going to keep? Yeah. Nobody. Well, it's like... It's going to be totally arbitrary. Yeah. I mean, well, like, the AI thing. AI is doing writing. It's like, AI is, like, designed to be mediocre at best, right? And I think Simon Pegg had something about, like, AI's never had a girlfriend. AI's never had their heart broken. AI doesn't have any trauma. There's no well for AI to draw from to do something meaningful. So, basically, what you're saying is, oh, we're fine with just, like just mediocre horseshit like that's what we want to do which I mean which with the sort of like in the the quote unquote golden age of like prestige TV Mm -hmm. quote unquote like I think we have begun to be sort of conditioned for like everything kind of looks the same Mm -hmm. I mean and everything is sort of forgettable nothing's you know I sorry I shouldn't use declare like totally declarative statements like that there are you know I've seen good things the last few years and whatever but like um, but the other thing that it, when I kind of get down this AI rabbit hole that I heard, I'm going to not know their name, some academic who teaches at CUNY, I heard him say, like, that's why we go to art for mm-hmm. human experiences. And so he actually, he actually is l- less concerned about, like, sort yeah. of the impact it's going to have on the quality of art mm-hmm. and more concerned about um, our corporate overlords. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah which yeah, is yeah. really, like, what it's all a symptom of anyway. Is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How can we keep making the same amount of money and not have to give anybody anything more, which is just... Yeah. I do fun... I do still think good art is going to get made. But, oh, definitely. Yeah. definitely. But we're all... I mean, but it's going to be, you know, we're going to be scratching it out with our own blood on yeah, right. our toilet well, I mean, paper. That's yeah. where, like, I don't <laughs> the rise of like indie production companies is going to come in you know like there's a void that will need to be filled if we do kind of go in this direction and I mean we know yeah I was just about to say yeah we know a ton of which is a thing I think we all have around here a lot of us anyway have like favorite presses you know like favorite indie presses well I was even just thinking about indie bookstores in general yeah yeah Yeah. like I mean once Amazon came on the scene big box stores closed and people Mm -hmm. who want to go to a bookstore still want to go to a bookstore so where are they going yeah right yeah well it's like those are the people who care about it you know like the big box overlords didn't necessarily care about that particular aspect of it it was you know the the money aspects of it and I mean we do have to care about the money aspects of it to a point because we got to keep the doors open and we want to pay people but I mean that hasn't really been that hard in the last few years no well I I, life 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 finds a way to quote Jurassic Park yeah (laughs) if life life could find a way to give me dental insurance though that would be awesome that would be really nice we'll work on that So as I mentioned before, I'm in a bit of a slump, uh, and I've been picking a lot of things up and then setting them down and then kind of forgetting about them, which eh, happens. I think that happens sometimes when you have 
so many options at your fingertips. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like too too much choice is kind of crippling sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but last night I sat down and picked up this book called Love Me Tender by Constance Debra, um, a French author. And I started and finished it last night. <laughs> so I'm coming in. I'm coming into this pretty fresh. Um, but once I started reading it, I just like I could not put it down. It's a it's a pretty slim book. It is what 160 pages. Um, so definitely the kind of book that you can sit down and read in one sitting. Um, but it was kind of amazing. I feel like I've seen I've seen the description of of prose being like a tight fist before. Um, but I think that that very much fits for the style of this book. The prose is like really, uh, it's really tight and it's really like unsentimental and kind of driving. Um, and that's an interesting, it's interesting given the subject matter. So basically it's about, it is a, a auto fiction, um, which basically the things that happen in the book pretty much mirror uh, the author's experience completely. Um, but she stands by the fact that it's not. It's not a memoir. It is a novelization of, of the experience that she went through. Um, basically, when she was 40, um, uh, uh, Constance Deborah, um, the author herself, uh, came out as lesbian, left her husband, um quit her job as essentially like a public defender in Paris. Um, she comes from a family like way back when somebody was, oh my gosh, like a, a higher up in government, mother, a model, like comes from like a high profile family, mm-hmm. basically dumped all of it. Um, came out as a lesbian, moved into a very, very small apartment, basically got rid of all of her stuff and started living this like very Spartan lifestyle in which her main goal was was writing, um, essentially. Um, basically, writing cigarettes and um, fucking girls was kind of like how she how she puts it. Um, and in the process of this, as she the, she separated from her husband, it was kind of okay, tenuous and weird and whatever. But it sounds like as soon as, and this is mirrored in the in the novel, as soon as she really came out and was like, "I want a divorce. I am a lesbian. This is over." He immediately switched into like like total like well you'll never see your son again mode kind of um and started accusing her of being a pedophile and like like pulled all of these like titles from her personal bookshelves to point to her being a deviant you know and and so it launched into this like years-long sort of custody battle where she wasn't even trying to get like full custody of of their son but she wanted to see him um and so basically the meat of this book takes place in sort of that weird transitional period where she's she's fighting like hell to like just have any kind of interaction with her son. Like court ordered, she gets she gets one hour every 15 days with mm-hmm. him, which her ex is not holding up his end of the bargain mm-hmm. at all. Um, but yeah, it's just really interesting. It's a really sort of interesting, it is not what you expect when you when you think about a book that is addressing ideas of of motherhood and love which it very much is but it's it's very much on kind of her her own terms um and yeah it's it's just awesome um she talks about her her style being influenced by classic writers but also um influenced by uh the written word of french law and she talks a lot in interviews about how french law is set up so it's 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 really specific really sort of like 
uh, gets the point across. And uh, there's this quote, it's kind of a long one, in um, an interview I read with her, but she said, I think the most beautiful thing about literature is the fact that it's so simple. One thing everyone has is language. I love the simplicity of language, which can be understood by everyone. The aim is not to prove that you've read Spinoza or that you go to museums or art shows. That's one of the reasons my sentences are very short. My my vocabulary is very simple. Um, I wanted my book to be very direct. Um, And basically the idea, it has to be immediately understood and more felt by anyone. It has to work and work on everybody possible and not only on a few super educated people. I hate that boring French bourgeois tendency. A good book is about what all of us have in common, what makes us human, not about our little singularities and snobisms. Um, And that's very true. I feel like this book is totally stripped down of any sort of like flowery Mm -hmm. sentimentality and it really just kind of gets to the heart of, you know, what does it mean to transition from being the person who you've been like you're supposed to be societally you know like what your family expects from you whatever and what happens when you just decide to like strip it all down to the basics um and it kind of it's not really it feels like it's not a it's not a story about coming out um as much as it is a story about just like becoming who mm-hmm. you are and you want yeah. to be and kind of I mean it definitely has these elements of because she's a lesbian the systems in place even though like it says in the book like gay marriage was legalized in France like four or five years before all of this happened but even so the mm-hmm. fact that she's a woman that doesn't love men is working against her in this like really co- sort of systematic and really kind of awful way mm-hmm. like it's a really frustrating thing to read um but sort of this idea, I don't know, for me, that she kind of takes that, she takes the power back by being like, all right, well, fuck it. You know what? We're, we're getting rid of everything then. We're stripping it all down. We're dumping it all. Like, we're just going to run at what I want to do. And so, yeah, she just has this, like, she's just writing to make ends meet. She's barely scraping by. She's, like, stealing from the grocery stores on occasion. As long as she can afford cigarettes and the rent on her 100-square-foot apartment, she's fine. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, she even, like, dumps the apartment and is just sort of, like, couch surfing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, just sort of this complete rejection of of the status quo in a way that's really um, interesting and and ultimately in a way that feels liberating, um as opposed to being victimizing. And I think that's kind of part of the point is, uh, anyway, I don't know. It's, I, I'm still kind of chewing on it. I'm still thinking about it. Um, but yeah, it just talks about loss and love and, and personhood. I mean, I mean, womanhood, I think in a, in a, in a direct way, but just sort of what it means when you sort of take control of things and, and sort of a very, yeah, so much. I mean, and so much of fiction is—I don't know. I feel like so much of fiction, or maybe it's. Yeah, I think this is true. I mean, I'm really compelled by midlife narratives, or mm-hmm. like people well into their adulthoods. Yeah, th- those those things shift. Like I think. I mean, I think about Gilead, which is about an old pastor who's dying, whose life changed very suddenly, like ten years ago, mm-hmm. or or. Um, or even just writers, like people who picked something up for the first time when they were 40, which it sounds like she did. Yeah. Like, I think, I, yeah, I just, I, I am interested in that yeah. often more than I am the ingenue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was really, 
it was really interesting and really, I mean, I don't know, I feel like I've had in certain strange moments of whatever mental health, I don't know, the, the feeling of like, I'm just going to dump it all and just focus on this one thing, mm-hmm. you know, is I get that idea, you know, and I get the, the idea. I, mean, I remember sitting on a bus once ages ago, riding home when I knew that this relationship I was in had to end and the first thought I had was like I'm just gonna move into a shit apartment I'm gonna get rid of all of my stuff I'm gonna like run I was really into running at the time I'm just gonna like run all the time and not talk to anybody and you know Mm -hmm. um and yeah like I don't know it's it is it's just this really really interesting um just like trimming the fat of her own existence and and just stripping down her whole existence to just like the barest essential elements of you know mm-hmm. who am I what do I want so you can kind of get all the rest out of the way I mean she talks extensively in, in interviews about like how vital it is to be able to just sit and think about life and identity not even identity she's kind of not big on like personal identity but just what it is to be a human in the world Mm -hmm. um and the costs of being a human in the world as authentically as possible Mm -hmm. um but yeah like completely it's it's interesting to hear a mother talk about sort of losing her son and it being very painful like she has this this part where she talks about part of her daily routine is avoiding places where children will be because it's just like if you unexpectedly run into a child that's that same age it's like a cluster bomb you know like so and it's just yeah it's just very much like so I don't go to parks during these hours and you know one time I was walking down the street and these kids who are my son's age were talking behind me and it just was like you know so it's not that it's not that there isn't feeling behind it but it is very it's just very unsentimental and very just kind of I don't know it's it was fucking great. And the blurbs on it, man. Like, the people who are in to her writing, like, Maggie Nelson and uh, Gary Indiana is into it. Like, there were all of these sort of powerhouse blurbs in this book that it's just like, okay, I got I should be this writing this. brand new. It came out in September of 2022, so okay. just about a year. And I think it was originally written um, in France in 2020, but oh. it just, it's the first book to be translated into English, mm-hmm. although her first novel is coming out in April of 2024 in English, which is so far away. It is very far away. I want it now. I did, okay, this is an absolute digression, but uh, our friend was holding it in his hand. Uh-huh. And I said, "Oh, is that the Sinead O'Connor? Oh yeah, <laughs> memoir. Totally, yeah." And I and then I felt like an asshole because I mean it was, it was just it's a has a like a woman with a shaved head in black and white on the mm-hmm. cover. And I was like, "Oh, is, am I just making that up? Have I even seen the Sinead O'Connor memoir?" And then yeah. we pulled up the Sinead O'Connor yeah. memoir. It's like basically the it's same. It's basically photo. the it's the same photo. It's, it's the Sinead same O'Connor color gradient. In- profile same yeah. <laughs> yeah instead of it looks like she's laying down instead of yeah. standing but yeah no it is like okay. the same yeah. yeah it was really it was actually really funny versus yeah. like oh no no nailed it yeah <laughs> nailed it uh, uh fuck it was good though it yeah. was just so it's just yeah semiotext man yeah they put out some good stuff talking about sort of darling independent presses like yeah I love their shit. I know, too, like, to the point, like, like to, I mean, I know they're still an independent press, but mm-hmm. it almost feels like 
like talking about Grey Wolf or Semiotext. I know, I know. Like. But it's like Semiotext, which is like distributed by MIT, which is distributed by Penguin yeah. Random House, yeah, right? Yeah. That's just yeah. like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, just that. I mean, they're obviously still doing amazing work, but it's. Yeah. I feel like they're not exactly scrappy upstarts anymore. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. not necessarily. But they are putting out stuff they're that like out cool stuff. Like Penguin Random House proper probably no. wouldn't touch yeah. this. You know, like yeah. I don't yeah. think this is the kind of thing that they they put out. Don't. Well, I mean, like Grey Wolf too. I wonder how long until Grey Wolf. How long Grey Wolf was around before Macmillan started? I was thinking about that yeah. because I'm excited about this book by. Um, Mandy, some middle name Wong called The Box, mm-hmm. which is I haven't read it yet because I haven't had an arc, but I'm getting an arc, which is literally just about a white paper box. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> it's okay. Great. Yeah, I saw her speak on a, at a panel like a few months ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, she seems cool. <laughs> I'll try. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> It helps. Yeah. It's like sometimes, yeah, talking to, I remember went to PNBA not too long. Well, mm-hmm. it was pre-COVID, so I guess it was too long ago now. Um, and Marlon James was speaking. Mm-hmm. He was like the keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, <gasps> like. Was it after Seven Killings? Seven Killings yeah. came out in like 2008. He was he was there promoting. Um, oh, Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Yes. I got it. Yep. Got Nailed it. it. Speaking of things I never know the names Nailed of. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, post Post Booker. I always forget about those. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it's so different. I don't know. It's, it's so like, different. It's, it's, it feels out of his wheelhouse, which I guess it, it technically probably kind of isn't. But yeah. Um, I, read, I read half of it. I just like don't care about epic fantasy that yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. I did. I read a good chunk of it and enjoyed it. I feel like the world building was amazing because, of course, it was. Yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, uh, uh, the mythology he's drawing from is like so rich and interesting and and weird you know mm-hmm. like it really is just like oh shit like I'm kind of surprised there isn't more it's it's kind of going that way I think more and more stuff is coming out that's based on on different types of mythologies I think so too just like anecdotally from looking yeah. at my catalog yeah but it was like yeah. oh, what a great you know just the answer to like some argument about why didn't they cast anybody of Any color in Lord elves. of the Rings? Yeah. yeah, and they're like, "Well, because," and he's like, "Well, it's all fucking made up anyway." <laughs> you know, he's like, "Fuck you and your Hobbit." I'm going to write this book. Instead. I'm going to write three <laughs> huge, yeah. difficult books. Yeah, yeah. but it's like I kind of love that too of it just being like, "Okay, fuck you." You know, <laughs> I'll I, show you epic fantasy. You know what? I, and I'm curious. It doesn't even seem like. Eh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> This is gonna be one of those shows. Yeah. It's one of those shows. You're about to you're about to go to New York. I am about to go to New York. Stuff's going on. Stuff's going on. We're just you know. I'm very busy. Yeah, we're all very busy. Carrie just gets to listen to me whine about how busy I am. No. I feel like I'm just coming off of a super crazy busy stretch. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it bees like that. Yeah. This one is also coming out in October, the week after. I believe, uh, October 17th. It is called The Future Future by Adam Thurwell. And it was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it feels like it's just like this really readable novel that like actually that feels like it's about ideas. So it's set in um, pre-revolutionary, revolutionary, and post-revolutionary France mm-hmm. um, and the New World, and then eventually also in space. But mm. that's just sort of brief. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's really fun because all the characters sort of talk like uh, the my publisher commentary said oh they everybody talks like they're on Twitter which mm-hmm. is true like they do a lot of like really yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or what yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I mean it's so perfect but it's about this um, woman named Celine who is married to a bigwig in the French government and she and her friends lead lives of sort of the idle rich and they have a lot of parties and they do a lot of drinking and they eat a lot of stale tiramisu while they're hungover and mm-hmm. that kind of thing um, but they are also um, they are also very aware that they're in a lot of danger all the time because they're women and they don't really have any power mm-hmm. um, and uh, at the beginning of the book uh, Celine keeps finding it's been a kind of a recurring thing that these salacious pamphlets telling lies about her sex life keep getting found a lot which is something that I know happened to Marie Antoinette, who mm-hmm. is a contemporary of theirs in this book. Um, and yeah, and it's, uh, she says later of this time, true power was always in allowing other people to interpret someone in the way they wish to be interpreted without saying anything at all. So eventually, Celine gets freaked out enough. Like her husband like beats her because he finds this pamphlet and that's nothing new, but she's like, this is untenable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they... Uh, decide to do what they do best as she said to her friend and her friend goes that (laughs) meaning sex and Celine goes no talking (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, they decide to sort of enlist all of the writers who are (laughs) writing all of these plays or whatever in sort of to like try to draw them into this social circle in a kind of salon to like protect themselves and and it works and so eventually they start shaping the culture um, and then it becomes this really interesting dialogue about sort of what it, what it means to be living in the future and, and what language does for people and what contemporary forces shape power. I mean, and she says of all of her, of her friends, um, they wanted intensity and began by thinking that the contemporary was the place of the most intensity, which I thought a lot about. Um, you know, and eventually her situation becomes untenable and she has to flee to America and she gets more and more disenchanted by her ability to create meaning with words, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And she says, um, what if the whole of something could never be expressed? Everything was raggedness, interdependency, looseness, casual and expendable, like a shopping list, something to be expanded, subjected, and scribbled over. I mean, and it's and that's interesting also because it, the author doesn't just limit it to France and the, in the, the New World. He's sort of talking about all of these global movements that are happening at the same time, all of these changes that are happening when cultures become interdependent on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really was. It just this book just has such big ideas, um, and it, it yeah, it it was just it was it was really good it's got yeah. it's got a great cover it was really readable it just like felt really i recently started keeping like a like a commonplace book again which i did religiously for most of my life and then i realized i was being too compulsive about it so i had to stop mm-hmm. like writing down long passages from books i read because my hand would get cramp and then i wouldn't have time to read and yeah then it would just be bad but i started doing it again just being really like blase about it and just and typing it which is mm-hmm. the game changer mm-hmm. like not mm-hmm. handwriting things was total game changer yeah and it's like usually it's like you know a few things from each book but i think i had like a whole page of quotes from this book yeah no I, and i thought and it felt really relevant to the present moment like what what is language what is meaning what is art what is art do what is art do for politics what is power and the, the thing that i kept thinking about the whole time i was reading it there's a line kind of in the middle when they're talking about the new world she's talking about um uh 
some indigenous people that are sort of interacting with one of her friends who's an anthropologist from France in the New World. And she says, the, the problem was that the future was arriving at uneven speeds, and it was starting to confuse the stories they were telling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it was awesome. Nice. Um, well... Like I said, I've kind of been in a weird thing, and so a lot of the times when I'm in a weird sort of reading slump, I start looking at graphic novels, because um, it sometimes helps me shake myself out of them, and there have been two graphic novels that have come out fairly recently. Um, one is about Leonora Carrington called Armed with Madness, the surreal Leonora Carrington, um, and the other one is called Anais Nin, Sea of Lies, which is, of course, about Anais Nin. Um, it's interesting. They're kind of, kind of, I guess, essentially contemporaries. Um, oh, yeah, they are, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, which I didn't make yeah. that connection until I was reading both of these. It's interesting that they both came out fairly recently. Um, there, it's it's graphic novel format, so obviously it's not getting, it's not like a deep dive into the biography of these women, mm-hmm. but um, sort of an overview if they're, if they're, uh, artist that you are interested in at all. This is a really interesting way of kind of getting a, a, just a brief sort of base knowledge of what their lives were like. Um, and it's really interesting in the graphic novel form um, because they both, I mean, they both were like struggling with the, the confines of what women were supposed to be in sort of like early pre-mid-century, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, 30s mm-hmm. and 40s. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact they're expected to, like, be sort of good, obedient, YV-type people, mm-hmm. and neither one of them were that. You know, like, they both had um, ideas and, and you know, desires and, and stuff that they wanted to express and, and had to kind of struggle to get there. Um, but both of these, I think both of their stories are really, really interesting told in this format because... Um, I mean, obviously, graphic novels are super visual. So, you know, when you talk about Leonora Carrington's sort of uh, a psychotic break or something, you know, like you're able to sort of explore what that might have felt like through these really like cool, like double page spreads of, you know, like, mm-hmm. what does this mean? You know, and uh, same with the Anais Nin one is, um, let me find, uh, she's a, uh, let's see. Leonie Bischoff, who is... I forget where she's from. I should have written this down. Um, like, Scandinavian artist. Uh, and I guess that the Anais Nin one was seven years in the making. So there are all these, like, just gorgeous colored pencil mm-hmm. drawings. Um, and it's just amazing. Like, they're both just kind of, like, they're... I don't know. It's like... It's like dessert or something, you know? Yeah. Like, so you're getting, you're getting sort of these factual, contextual bits about their lives. But it's just, like beautiful to look at you know so you're just kind of like swimming through this brief overview um the the nice Nin one was put out by fanographics and fanographics does some really cool sort of like biographical um graphic novels about i mean particularly they've been doing a, a lot of them about sort of like female artists from the past um but yeah both of them are really good if you have any interest in Anais Nin. um I would definitely say you should check out Anais Nin, A Sea of Lies. And if you have any interest in Leonora, Leonora Carrington, um, Armed with Madness is great. I mean, they're both they're both really fun. Again, limitations. They're short. They're like 100 pages each, and they're like heavily illustrated. So you're not going to get like every single detail. There's a lot of things that are sort of like just touched on or glossed over. But um, in terms of in terms of graphic novel biography, kind of kind of yeah. jams. Like it's worth they're worth checking out. They're fun. Anything about either of them, really. Yeah. 
I didn't really, until now, I knew I was interested in both of them. Yeah. I knew they both kind of were just like, I mean, doing stuff that ladies weren't supposed to do. I, and I and got really close with Henry Miller and really close with Henry Miller's wife. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, what else? Uh, I mean, like, yeah, Leonora Carrington. <laughs> There's a birthday. Happy birthday, dear restaurant you. guy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Claire. <laughs> it's not my birthday. It could be. My, they don't know. <laughs> I should go tell them it's my birthday. It's our birthday, too. <laughs> Sorry, the, the restaurant downstairs just had a birthday moment. Anyway, both of those graphic novels were great. That's great. Yeah, it was a nice little... I love that. I love turning to a, to a yeah. graphic novel when you're just like, fuck, I can't read pages. I look at them instead. I have still never read a graphic novel. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be really bad at it. Like, I used to, like, I just could not focus. And no. I felt like I... Well, I think my the, my problem I had with it at the beginning was I wasn't spending enough time looking at yeah. the illustrations. I wasn't, like, weighing the illustrations with, you know, as, as much as I was the words. So I would just go through and read all the text and be like... This is nothing. You know, yeah. like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, was, I felt yeah. nothing about this. And then at some random point, I don't know what it was. I, I don't even remember the book it was, but I remember the feeling of I was I was laying in bed and I was reading through this graphic novel and I was really just like just looking at the pictures. I mean, reading the, the word bubbles and stuff, but like looking at, at the illustrations and it was just like this was like just like breaking open a whole genre of literature yeah, for me. I was yeah. just like, oh, holy shit, I've been doing this it wrong this do whole it. time. Yeah. <laughs> like, no wonder I wasn't getting anything out of this, yeah. you know? Like, the illustrations are the story. Like, you can't, the pictures count in that one, you know? Like, and once you kind of, I don't know, for me at least, once I figured that out, it's still like, I don't want graphic novels all the time. And there are a lot of crap graphic novels out there still, but isn't that true of everything? Um, but man, like a good graphic novel is so good sometimes. Yeah. Really good to shake you out of a rut. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Totally. Okay, I wasn't going to talk about this one because it doesn't come out until November, but it's fresh and it was really funny. Uh, the Book of Anne by Lexi Freeman is out on November 14th of this year. And it was just really funny. It was so good. It's about this um, disgraced novelist who got this like horrible New York Times review for writing a satirical novel about the opioid epidemic. <laughs> and gets just like pilloried by the press. And um, like a, as like a coping, coping mechanism decides to turn into some kind of like reactionary and like tries to become really obsessed with Ayn Rand. <laughs> Oh. And, like, yeah, there's this really funny moment where at one point, like, after she's like, ah, yes, to cope with the stress. Um, actually, this is a good line, too. Never mind, I'll save it. But, uh, to, yeah, at one point she, like, goes to this party for what's supposed to be, like, some, like, rich, like, right-wing, like, just asking questions douchebags, and she goes and talks to these women who are, <laughs> who are like, it's so retarded that you got canceled i mean we say retarded even more than you do and it's these like two podcasters that yeah. are young women and it's like obviously supposed to be the women who do the podcast red scare oh. <laughs> which is so <laughs> funny uh and then eventually she meets with some tone deaf producer to make um, a 30 minute comedy for netflix about the life of Anne rand that presents her in a sympathetic light 
it's just like this amazing satire. Um, and when she moves to LA, she moves into like what is essentially one of those influencers house, like influencer houses. You know those. Mm-hmm. She doesn't realize it, but it's for this like social media app that's like TikTok, except everybody gets like a filter that turns them into an animal, so oh. they can do whatever. <laughs> it's just like so pitch perfect. And I would like to read three lines. Okay. They were so fun. One is sort of. It's, it's also very smart mm-hmm. um, and sort of like talks about like the cravenness of, you know, libertarianism and as sort of like responding to the mob and like the perils of like selfishness. Like at some point she realizes that during this she's not going to be able to have children and then mm-hmm. she kind of rejects Anne Rand and then goes to this like weird commun- commune in Greece and like almost has a moment where she becomes generous and less selfish but not quite. <laughs> um, but she says, jokes were fun and also useful. They smoothed the edges, consisting, as they did, in the soft stuff of moral nuance. Okay, and now the jokes. Yeah. As a, as a younger woman, I'd been a middling sexual threat, and now I was just a black cape that went around saying things like, consent is complicated. <laughs> or, I had never believed in a Jewish god or secular Pilates, or <laughs> anything that any large group of people were doing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just—it was just really funny. Yeah. I think you should pick it up. It was—I was laughing out loud. Nice. Very I good. love that. I love yeah. a good. I mean, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I feel like often when I read something that's funny, I don't pick up on the fact that it's yeah. funny until no. someone's like, "Oh, that was so funny," and I'm like, oh, "Yeah, wait." This one is like watching. It's it's like watching yeah just like yep. watching her be tone deaf. It's so. Uh, I mean, she's such a caricature of herself. Yeah. And like, at one point, she like takes this kid who's like an Antifa guy mm-hmm. like home to her apartment and he's like doesn't want to go home and she's like staying in somebody's like Manhattan Pied-a-Terre that's very that's very wealthy people and he's like angling to stay the night and it's like share the wealth but he's 20 and stupid and she sort of like m- like tries to have sex with him and he's like hang on and she's like huh? Yeah. Like it's so it's so perfect. Oh shit. Yeah it was very good. I love it. I love good books. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I think we've done it. We've we've grab bagged. We've grab bagged. We've, we've grabbed the bag. Scraped the bottom of the bag. <laughs> we've scraped the bottom of the bag. Uh, yeah. So you know, happy reading, y'all. Thanks for listening. Check us out. Uh, yeah. I think we have a website now. Oh, we do have a website now. Dummycopypodcast.com. Yeah. Um where we link to episodes. We'll have little mini reviews up there about stuff or just random ram- ramblings about things we've we've read if you want a deeper dive on certain things. No promises, but that'll probably pop up once in a while. My promise is that they will be typo-laden. Well, yeah, that's kind of our brand. Our brand is being bad at social media. Do blogs count as social media? Yeah, probably. I think it was like the f- one of the first yeah. social medias, like I think. Old school social media. Yeah. Nothing if not old school yeah that's not true but yeah and also i mean we're on instagram dummy.copy.tpg yep uh yeah that's where you can find us doing bad social media if you're into bad social media and good books you should check us out on instagram (laughs) shit i forgot to post on instagram last week this week we'll do it We, we occasionally post on instagram we're trying we're trying good for us We're also considering bringing in more sound effects. So if you have any, uh, if you have any opinions, strong opinions on sound effects, slide into our DM. I'm 
I'm here for the. Okay, I'm sliding into your ears. Sliding into my ear hole. I want a boot noise. A boot. I know we don't have that, but we do have this. No. Those are the only two we have so far. Oh well, if you aren't counting. Which is my favorite sound effect of all time. All right. So on that note, uh, thanks, y'all. See you next time.